Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. So for those who don't know me, I'm Ken Edwards, a lay preacher based at uh, this church. The idea behind the sermon is that Jesus wants us to overcome all obstacles on our journey with him. I'll tell you about overcoming obstacles. We have in our white history of Australia remarkable examples of explorers who pushed out into a land that was unknown to him, to them. But of course that land was not unknown to the local people. Tens of thousands of years ago they had discovered every part of this country. But that was not the white mindset. To them it was all a strange land. And they didn't rely very much on local knowledge. They just pushed out finding country that was suitable for agriculture, grazing and so on. That's what they did. So we have to admire the courage and endurance of those people who pushed on, overcame obstacles, heading towards what they were aiming for. 1844, Charles Sturt passed through Gawler. If you go up the top of the main street, there's a plaque between the music shop and the sports shop commemorating the fact that Sturt went through. He had done other major journeys but the following year after coming through here, he was setting out for that great inland sea that must have been there in this great continent because rivers ran west. They didn't come to the coast, so they must have gone to the inland sea. Well, he picked a bad time as it turned out because they got holed up in a time of drought at a place called Depot Glen, which is south of Tibberborough. In fact, if you ever go to Tibberborough, a massive metropolis, I don't think. At the end of the main street, <coughs> there's a replica of Sturt's whale boat stuck on posts about, I don't know, about as high as that doorway. So they were serious, they were looking for this sea. But at Depot Glen, it was the only source of water that kept them alive for six months before some rains came. The weather was so bad that the nails fell out of the boxes, the wooden boxes. The nails fell out of their boots and one of the party died of scurvy. They were obstacles. But when the weather turned better, Sturt and his party kept going out looking for that sea. There's another explorer with strong links to Gawler, Big John McKinley, who married eventually Jane or Jeannie Pyle from up at Treeview House in Gawler East. Now, we all know about the terrible fate of Burke and Wills, who set off from Melbourne with a huge caravan of stuff. But it all came unstuck. So parties went out looking for Burke and Wills, but by the time John McKinley and his little group set off, when they got north, they found that 
the fate of Burke and Wells had been worked out. So he didn't come home to Gawler. He went further north, then cut east to some shocking country that had never had white people there before until they got to the coast in North Queensland round about Cardwell. They were practically starved because they'd even finished off their last camel. I forget his name, but they were very sorry to kill him, but it was either them or him. So that was these explorers. But these explorers and others like them, they came after obstacle or obstacle and they pushed on because they knew that they had to find something. In massive human terms, those obstacles were, but in Jesus' point of view, they were nothing compared with his final journey. He was heading for Jerusalem because that was the centre of power, the centre of the Jewish religion. And that journey was the culmination of his time on earth, healing, preaching and teaching the God who loves. Not the God bound down and chained down with rules, regulations and goodness knows what. That's the God that Jesus brought to the people. So as we heard in the reading, he came across an obstacle fairly soon. Some Pharisees came to him and said, Oh, don't go there. You're in trouble. Well, we heard the reading. Herod, Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, who was the ruler of that part of the countryside, was after Jesus' blood. That's what these Pharisees told Jesus. Now, there could have been various reasons people speculate why they did it. Were they genuinely interested in Jesus' welfare? Because they knew that Herod was a threat to Jesus. Were they genuine? Or were they trying to keep Jesus from going up and stirring up Jerusalem with the leaders because they knew he'd had a few run-ins with them already? And that may threaten their position. Remember that the Pharisees were a very special group. They were sitting up the top of the heap. They didn't want their boat rock, so please, Jesus, don't go there. Well, Herod's after you, so don't go to Jerusalem. The third possibility was that they were playing a game. In that reading, Jesus referred to Herod as that fox. Foxy, cunning, sneaky, nasty. They may have been playing games, trying to say, don't go, don't go, hoping like mad that he would go. Well, that he went anyway. So there could have been any one of those motives or even more when these Pharisees tried to put this obstacle in his way. Don't go, don't go. But Jesus <coughs> had to go. He knew that. There was no option for him. Any obstruction they put up was just so much. Yep. Because he had to fulfill his destiny that God had set out for him, go to Jerusalem, fall foul of the authorities, die there. But that's not where the story stopped, as we know. Now Jesus, Peter picked this up eventually, that who are you? You're the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that. A lot of people hadn't woken up to the fact at the time. The people, this man, this Messiah, this being who is going to come to the Jewish people, release them from the 
thrall of the Roman occupation, make Israel a great nation as it had been way back in the times of King David. That's the Messiah that was the popular conception. Come on a horse, be accompanied by troops, chase those Romans out, good stuff. No, that's not the Messiah that Jesus had in mind. He wasn't coming in pomp, as we know later on with Palm Sunday. He didn't come that way at all. It was anything but pomp, anything but ceremony. The sort of Messiah was comes in that reading because Jesus, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he wants to take the people under his wings just as a mother hen does when there's danger around. An eagle flies about, little chickens come under the wings of the mother hen. That's the image that Jesus projected. That's the sort of Messiah he was, not the serious military one. He was a more serious man of peace. In the last part of that reading, in fact it starts early, but it comes back later, he's saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you have done this bad stuff to the prophets and so on. Because Jerusalem, being the head of the, the centre of the religion, had constantly rebelled against prophets. You go through the prophets, <coughs> you pick them up in the Old Testament, they see that things are wrong, things are going badly, they speak up to the rulers and as often as not they get clobbered, if not just ignored. There's this terrible history in the Jewish religion of knocking the prophets, often physically, because they brought uncomfortable messages and that's not nice. They had pointedly told the people, especially those in power, look, you've got it wrong, you've gone away from God's wish for you. You're off the straight and narrow. You've done what you've wanted, not what God wanted. You've built up power bases. And how do you build up power? At the expense of the people. And the lower down in the social strata, the more you, those people are going to suffer. They disregarded the poor, they disregarded the sick, they disregarded anybody that didn't really build up their power. They'd also, instead of relying on God for their security, they'd relied on the kings of neighbouring nations. The other one was, of course, that they'd lapsed in worship God to the extent that they picked up the gods of their neighbours. Baal, Asherah, all that lot. That's why these prophets kept pointing out to the people of generation after generation and what did Jerusalem do? Knocked them. So, that had built up this huge structure of obstacles to Jesus' message. And that's what he had to deal with. So, on his final journey, he just passed through those obstacles. He passed through the obstacle of arrest, false arrest. He passed through the obstacle of beating. He passed through the obstacle of being marched off to the place of execution. He passed through the obstacle of being stuck on a wooden cross. He overcame those obstacles and in earthly time consideration he died. But as we know, when we get to Easter, 
which is what Lent is reminding us we're getting towards, those obstacles just completely vanished. So, what are we supposed to do? We can't be like Jesus, but he's certainly given us the role model. <clears throat> he bashed through obstacles, he dodged them, he went on. And that's what we're supposed to do on our journey with him. In human terms, we can look at the great example, and that is Paul. In fact, in the second reading, Paul says, be like me. The great missionary gives a wonderful example of passing obstacles. If you recall the story of Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, the great super Jew who persecuted members of the early church. That was his aim. He was very dogged. He was transformed into a follower of Christ. He called himself an apostle because he'd met Jesus in a vision. As he travelled further and further out from Jerusalem, he saw his mission as to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. He left that to others. He came up with ideas that rattled the people of wherever he met. If you read through the book of Acts, <coughs> he goes here, he stirs up some local self-interest, they set the mob on him. He goes somewhere else, says something that upsets somebody, they set the mob on him, they beat him, they stone him, and so on. Go through the book of Acts and see just what happened to Paul. He was stoned, he was severely flogged, and not just a bit of a tap to the stick, severely flogged, he was left for dead, other attempts on his life, and to cap it all, he was shipwrecked three times. If they weren't obstacles, I'd like to know just what is an obstacle. Like Jesus, he pushed on past those obstacles and kept taking the good news to people wherever he met them. He didn't just say, this is what it's about, see you later, people. He stayed with groups, Philippi, Colossae, and so on. You can read it in the letters that are surviving of those people. The people he dealt with quite often didn't get on with his message because like us, they lived in a community in which the majority of people were not followers of Christ. Not surprising, in his day he was taking the word of Christ to new communities. Our day, we're just people that are a bit odd. But he had the same, they had the same problems that we do in many ways. These new converts to Christianity were surrounded by a community which was up to the point of hostile. In fact, that's what Paul refers to them as, enemies of the cross of Christ, with their minds set on pleasing appetites and, quote, set on earthly things. Doesn't that sound familiar when you look outside, read the paper, see the TV, hear the radio? All the same. So I just used the example of the Philippians because it also happens to be a lectionary reading. But all of those groups that Paul founded had the same sort of issues. They had to really stick to their guns and overcome obstacle over obstacle to stay true to the message that Paul had brought them. Not just Paul, he's just one we know about other missionaries as well in those early days. So he tells us in the last verse from that reading, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not 
lose heart. Now, in other versions, in fact, the early version of the NIV, that wording finished up as, we stand firm in the Lord, and that's a great message for us. Last week, Josh started this series of God on the Move using the preliminary phase of Jesus' mission when he spent this long time in the desert and Satan gets him when he's probably weak physically. Tries to trip him up. <clears throat> Stand up there, jump off. Stand up there, look all that stuff out there, you can have all that, that's mine to give, and so on. Oh, Jesus just sort of poo-pooed it, no, get out of the way. Those were not obstacles to Jesus. Satan got that wrong. Now let's look at the basis of union for the Uniting Church when the three denominations got together. If you read through the basis of union, you find that our church, quote, is the pilgrim people always on the way towards a promised goal. Now this is very unlike the early explorers who pushed out into what to them was unknown country. We are heading for a promised goal to be closer to God. Because we know that if we are obedient, God will lead us where God wants us to go. So Jesus had massive obstacles to overcome that didn't stop him from reaching his final goal as a man. Paul didn't give up his mission when the going got tough. He just survived, moved on from obstacle over obstacle. Those early church members didn't give up. Otherwise, this building wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be a Christianity. The whole business would have died early in its infancy. It would have been stifled. So we are here only because those earlier followers of Christ had met obstacles, overcome them, and kept going on their journey with Christ. So each of us has a unique journey with God. Each of us has already overcome obstacles. We know that, some big, some not so big. Paul encouraged the Philippians to stand firm in the Lord. That didn't mean they had to stay stuck in the one place. Standing firm doesn't mean staying there, you can't move me, I'm not moving anywhere. It means staying firm as you proceed with your journey with God. Proceed firmly in the Lord. So day by day, Jesus wants us to overcome the obstacles that come up blocking or diluting our journey with him. We must push on past those obstacles until we move on to finally find out what is the destiny of our journey with Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that our journey is not always easy. We know that sometimes it's not easy because we've dropped the ball. We've taken our eye off the game. Other times, Lord, we know it's because other people have put up obstacles. They don't like what we say. They don't like what we do. But Heavenly Father, we know that you can always be relied on to give us the strength to overcome obstacle over obstacle to move on in the way that you have planned for us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.